0: welcome back to The Fin Factor. I'm Paul. And I'm Aaron. This is episode 164. Aaron, we only had two games for the Sharks this week, but there's actually quite a bit to talk about. Before I get to any of that, though, I did notice uh, a tweet here, and I I know Super Producer Jason hates tweets, and we didn't give him this tweet. But I do want to call this out because it's it's a, a regular on the show. Nicholas Egan says, Sometimes you need to share your misery of a bad season with other fans. The Fin Factor is the best place to commiserate together and be hopeful for the future wow uh Nicholas egan thank you so much for that tweet that was awesome and the reason that we don't have that is that he he just sent that out I think uh perhaps was a, little ago, it was a little while ago it was a little while ago it's yeah we could have got it in there but whatever <laughs> anyway um yeah hey uh, I see a couple guys in here uh already <laughs> Tyler McElroy wants to talk about Tolvin we'll get there I promise you uh <laughs> Rob Timus is giving us the uh the, the I don't the know horns. metallica horns there oh there yeah. it is there, there, there's the tweet see see super producer Jason's on ball I love it this is, this is why we have him here. He's amazing. Appreciate you, buddy. Thank you so much. Um, guys, yeah, uh, feel free to put your comments and whatnot inside of the uh, the comment section there. We'll be talking about some stuff from the games this week, other things like Tolman and whatnot, uh, I'm sure. So um, any of that comments and questions, feel free to throw them in there. Um, always, of course, if you do it with a super chat, we'll, we'll 100% get to that, uh, that comment or question. So if you want to support the show doing it that way, you certainly can. Uh, there's also uh, Venmo you can use. At the fin factor, that's another great way to support the show and get your question asked on the air. So, go ahead and hit us up with any of those ways uh, to communicate, or just put it in the chat, we'll probably get to it. So, anyway, um, uh, Debbie Smith saying hello all. Hello, Debbie, it's great to see you back. I uh, hope you're doing well tonight. Okay, the Sharks and Canucks played. Uh, this was again, uh, just for me, exactly what this season is supposed to be for the Sharks a six to five overtime loss right so we, we didn't get the two points we still get one okay cool cool but uh you know it's an exciting game aaron they score five they let in six it's unfortunate you pick up the loss but at the same time man it, that was a good exciting game that's
1: 11 goals in the game how can you complain about that right granted the sharks did not win but that was it was heavily entertaining even the overtime um right before vancouver had scored, the sharks had two blank point blank chances that uh uh who is it Spencer is that his name the goalie um just stoned him on and then the puck went back the other way and of course they scored because that's the shark season. But um it was, I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. I was like, oh my gosh, this is this is fantastic. Uh lead changes, tying it, like everything was going on. So uh entertaining game and the Sharks get closer to Bedard. So I'm happy about it.
0: Debbie Smith doesn't look too happy. She's giving the emoji with the uh, (laughs) face palm there. I don't know. There there you go. Yeah. She even used the the, the lady emoji too. So, okay, there you go. Um, Kutcher gets the Sharks first shorthanded goal of the season. Again, uh, there was a little bit of everything in this game. It was, it was a fun, entertaining game to watch uh, despite the loss. So, um Aaron uh shorthanded goals why is it you think the Sharks have only gotten just the one and obviously Kutcher getting it that makes sense he's been so prominent on the penalty kill and whatnot um and of course he's still an offensive force to be had so why do you think that the Sharks have taken this long in the season to finally pick up a shorty
1: I don't know I mean shorties are kind of hard to gauge it's just one of those things I think um you know, they've had chances. It's not like they're not trying and they've, to me, I feel like they've been putting more of an effort into get shorthand ch- chances or goals uh, than they have in the past. So I think they realize that their, their PK is elite. Even right now, like they're letting in goals, but it's still pretty elite in the league and uh, might as well press and utilize that blocking those shots and, and turning them around the other way for quick counterattacks. It just so happens that Couture finally put it away and he barely did too. I don't know if you saw this goal, but it trickled like he's he I think he went five hole and he skated by and he's looking he's behind the goal and he's looking and like you could see it just slowly trickling through. And I think, um, oh, my gosh, I keep looking on this goalie's name because he's not there. Uh, Martin Spencer Martin. He like looked like behind him. And I think when he turned the look, his skate kind of hit it into the goal. And so he scored the goal. So it was even though they scored, it was barely a goal, barely a shorthanded goal. But it was fantastic. It's, it's just one of those luck things kind of like for shorthanded stuff. You have to make sure that you get a good scoring chance, but also don't get caught up too far because then the power play could counterattack with even obviously it's going to be an odd man break no matter what. So um, the Sharks just haven't been fortunate enough to get one until now.
0: And this game, we see a couple guys. We don't normally get to see uh, the doctors in the house. Dr. Seuss, it's actually Cease. Uh CJ Cease is how you pronounce it. Um, but he gets a, he gets a draw into this game. Um, I don't know. Do you think he had, maybe he had a pretty decent game? We can talk about that in a bit here, but uh Kakenin actually gets pulled in this game, and we get the first appearance of uh Maki Niemi. So um he, he gets his first first try, draw into the league here. So what do you think? Um, uh, first of all, bob uh, did <laughs> just bump my mic there. Dude, what do you think about um Cease getting uh to, to jump into the game here? And then um, same thing with Mackie he gets his first look. Uh, I think for, for me, uh, when Kakin is not looking good, and obviously Dell hasn't really worked out in the game or two that he's gotten in there, so um, yeah, why not give the guy a look?
1: Yeah, give him a look. I mean, I'm looking at his ice time, and it was only five and five minutes and 50 seconds, so it's not like he was out there for a ton of shifts. But uh, kind of, I think this is a reward for him playing so well and being effective down at the AHL, the Barracuda level. So. They need to call somebody up. They had a couple injuries and a couple guys are out. I think uh, Sturm came back, but uh, who sat out in this one? I think it was no. Bear Bonif was in some some other guys that were out, so they had some holes in the lineup for the forwards and and they they plugged them with uh, with Cease here. So good for him to get call, the call up. I think this is his first game, right? His first NHL game. Um, so yeah, it was uh, it's good for him to see see him get rewarded. Happy, But it.
0: actually, it's his fifth career game, but the first one with the Sharks. So uh Kevin LeBanc shuts me up a little bit here. He gets a snipe. But actually, you know what? I don't even want to say he shuts me up because what was I saying about him? Right. I was saying I feel like he should be the trigger man. And then lo and behold, here he goes pulling the trigger again. And we'll get to something that uh, I believe it was uh, Brett Hedekin had mm-hmm. said about uh, Kevin LeBanc a little bit later on in the show. But for now, we'll just say, hey. He shoots. He scores. I'm happy with that. I'm happy to see Kevin uh, getting on the score sheet there. It's a lot better than him being on the score sheet, you know, just being in the box all the time, which, again, we'll get to that stuff a little bit later on. In fact, we do have a clip here. It's kind of related, maybe, uh, talking about defensive breakdowns and transitions. Do you want to set this one up? Sure. This is
1: Coach Quinn uh, kind of asked about – I'm trying to remember what the actual question how it's posed. But he kind of talks about the defensive breakdowns and the transitions going from – the team figuring out if they needed to be on offense or defense or vice versa. So um, here's kind of what he breaks down um, to it after the game, after this Canucks game. Yeah. I mean, obviously we need all our lines to be better defensively. You can't be giving up the number of goals we've given up and, you know, it's just, uh, I mean, you guys watch, I mean, we're in their zone, we're in their zone they're going to score. I mean, it feels like it happens way too easily for the other team. And you know, our problems arise when, you know, our game is at times very indecisive. Are you on offense or are you on defense? And when those situations arise, we're assuming offense when you need to assume defense. You know, those flip pucks, you know, two of them were flip pucks. And we're thinking we're going to get it and go the other way instead of doing our jobs until we gain full possession. And, you know, that's something we got to keep working on. <laughs> That sounds like, to me, man, he sounds like such a scary coach. You know what I mean? Like, like, I don't want to be on his bad side ever. He just seems like one of the, I don't know. I don't know. I I get that, like, very principal feeling from him, like, going to the principal's office. And you're just like.
0: He sounds reasonable, though, right? Yes.
1: There's nothing wrong with what he said. It's just the the tone of his voice, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what it is.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, the Sharks assumed offense in the next game here. The Sharks Ducks 6-1 win. Uh, there's a you know game where the, there's six go in the net and the, the Sharks come out on top of it this time. How about that, huh? And speaking of Makaniemi getting his first NHL appearance, he finally gets his first NHL start. And, of course, since it was a 6-1 win, his first NHL win. So he's... Uh, Batting 1,000 there. Um, yeah, tell us about Makiniemi here. Uh, for a lot of folks, you know, they haven't heard of this guy before, obviously. He was part of the Brent Burns trade with Lawrence coming over. But um, give us a little bit of a rundown on him. Um, just go ahead and take it away.
1: Sure. This is a part of the package that came back for the Brent Burns trade to Carolina. Um, he was a fourth-round pick by Carolina in 2017. He was playing really well down at the Chicago Wolves for the AHL. I want to say it was the end of last year, end of 2021. Um, But he had a back injury and uh, eventually had to go under the knife and get surgery and get it fixed. I don't know exactly what it was. I couldn't figure it out, but um, it's kind of scary when you're that young and having back surgery, especially playing and then playing hockey, playing NHL, or he wasn't quite NHL level, but going to be. um, That's a hard injury to come back. So, He finally is back and he finally got his first NHL start. Now 23 years old for a goalie is very, very young and you must be like some kind of phenom or be on a pretty bad team to get a call up or emergency in a way. So don't expect this guy to be, to me, I don't think he's going to be sticking around the NHL level. He still has a lot of work and is going to need to get his game even better than it is now. Um, it's great that he was called up. I'm not saying anything bad against him, but just to give you a reference point, like the only, the only goalies in the NHL in the last, let's say 20 years that have been came up while, uh, while they were by 23 have been like Carter Hart in Philadelphia. I think he was 21. Um, just like very highly touted prospects, which is, this is not one of those, um, what's his name uh in montreal's uh price um you know the bigger name goalies that that have a huge pedigree that were taken in probably the first or second round those are the kinds of guys that you'd be seeing doing well in the nhl level so i don't expect him to be up i mean i'm very happy he got his win he looked very good i thought he looked sharp the one goalie did give up did look kind of bad that was to zegras um I feel like that was one he should have had because he wasn't quite screened on it and it looked like it just kind of squeaked through him. Um, So good for him to kind of get to the NHL, play well, get the win, get the experience of, holy cow, these guys move a lot faster than the AHL guys and have better shots than the AHL guys. Um, But I fully expect him to be sent down at some point. And once, uh, once Reimer is back and, and unless they keep him up, keep Reimer and Mac and Niemi, and they send, which is what I heard online too. Like they send um, uh Kakanen down, which would be interesting because he would have to clear waivers. And I don't know if he would clear waivers, that kind of thing, but we'll, we'll talk about waivers later. Um, yeah, that's, that's Mac and It's, it's good. It's a good goalie to have in your pipeline and he's playing well for the Barracuda. Um, so it, it's hopeful, but I don't expect this guy's not going to be like a 60 game starting goalie in a couple of years he might be a 1a 1b maybe a backup goalie we'll see um
0: before we continue i want to uh, go ahead and ask you guys if you can please hit us with the retweet hit us with the uh, the like if you're enjoying the stream so far hit us with the uh, the share uh, on whatever the social platforms you guys are on get us out there to your other sharks friends and family if you're enjoying the show i'm sure they'll enjoy it just as much and you get to talk with them inside of the chat which is always fun so uh, if you can do that we would I greatly appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for that. Okay, uh, Aaron, um, last week, I think we talked about there were only three players left on the Sharks roster uh, that did not have a goal. Um, It was Harrington, Vlasic, and Megna. Um, Of course, all defensively minded defensemen or guys who only had a couple of games, right? So Harrington uh, decides, you know what? I don't like that list. He scores a goal. Uh, puts one in. Aaron talked to me about this one. It was kind of a it was a broken kind of a goal, was it not? The shot just kind of hit I think it hit off a player and went in or something right? It was, it was an uh, ugly one.
1: It was uh, the ducks defenseman. I think it was cam Fowler. Uh, it hit kind of like right in the middle of the shaft of his stick and it broke his stick. So it probably didn't hit it didn't go like through his stick. probably just hit it just enough, hit it, changed the angle slightly on the on the puck and it fooled uh, Gibson but it broke his stick as it went in. So you see the shot go and then you see the stick kind of explode and then it goes in the goal. So yeah, you have to watch it on slow-mo on the replay. It's kind of like, wow, what happened there? Why is there a broken stick on the ice all of a sudden? Um, Cause he was still holding his stick after it broke or the top half of it. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of a weird play, but they don't ask how, just how many, right? At the end of the year. So he got his first goal finally is on the score sheet.
0: I was I was just gonna quote you on that one. <laughs> just say the same exact thing. Who cares how it goes in, buddy? You got an NHL goal. Good for you. Uh Carlson, on the other hand, uh <laughs> league leading 12th goal and 37th point. And this is by defenseman, I'm sure. Um, mm-hmm. my goodness. Uh Carlson's on an absolute tear. If there is a one shining bright spot this season, I think even the Carlson haters have to admit uh Carlson has been absolutely amazing uh this year you know what even off of the score sheet when I was just watching the game um just seeing the way that he moves and he moves the puck his vision on the ice whether or not the teammate that he passes the puck to is able to finish um he's still doing such an amazing job on the ice that is absolutely ridiculous um it just just how good this guy is right and and you see how he used to play the game right back in ottawa and then you know he's had some injuries and whatnot in San Jose okay got it he looks like he's 100 back to form like this guy is is absolutely 100 back full force uh ready to play and it doesn't matter who he's playing with he's he's giving them opportunities doing such a phenomenal job in the eyes i've been uh, very, very pleased with his play offensively, but defensively as well, he hasn't exactly been a slouch, in my opinion. Now, I'm sure there are numbers that might say otherwise, but uh, just from the eyeball test, he looks great in the last weeks of the game. I've been more than happy with him. So, um, I know you've got a little bit here you wanted to bring up about him. So, go ahead and and fire away. And there was a the the, the nearest guy defenseman points wise is uh, Rasmus Dahlin. I think is it is it yeah. right? Five point lead. Go ahead, fire away.
1: Yeah, dalian has got 32 points to Eric Carlson's 37. Now, granted, Carlson's played a few more games because the Sharks have just played more games than most of the teams, but um, that's still a substantial lead uh, over practically everyone in the league. So, everyone, you know, I think people are waiting for him to kind of tail off, and he's not, and he's still continuing in, in being hot. And this is the kind of – this is what I was hoping for after that Burns trade is clearing up that space. He's now the man on the back on the power play, getting most of that power play time. And even outside the power play, his playmaking skills, his skating, his passing, everything is very elite. Um, and he seems healthy. So it's all coming together for Carlson. Maybe he's motivated to play really well again, to be on the move because that is seemingly everything. Anyone wants to talk about now that he's hot is, uh, he should leave the sharks and the sharks should get something from him or for him. So, um, that was what they were talking about. Actually, in the so this was a nationally broadcast game, and there was a question here from Tyler. What do you guys think about this? Leah Hextall? Leah is the play-by-play um, for ESPN. This game was on ESPN Plus. Um, I forget who the color commentators were, but um, I. So many people complain about her. I and I. I think everyone is. Randy Hahn is special. He is amazing and uh award-winning play-by-play it is really hard for anyone else to come into step not that you stepping into his shoes because it's a nationally broadcast game but just to to do a game when it's not randy it's really hard because he's been around forever he's very good um but i think she is fine like she i think doing a nationally broadcast game is harder because you have to learn every team's players you're not used to like randy is used to obviously he's going to know all the Sharks. But he's used to most of the division and most of the teams. Like, he doesn't have to worry about you know the New York Rangers other than twice a year. So, the nationally broadcast ones are thrown to all these different games all the time. I think they do a phenomenal job. They're not biased either way for or against the Sharks, and I think that's kind of a problem. Not that Randy is either, but um, I think um, people just don't like change. That's part of it. I think she's fine, and people need to back off on her already. Jeez. Anyway. There's my rant. Um, yeah, so after this game, um, I, I kind of hung around on ESPN because I wanted to see what they wanted to talk about in the post game, And most of it was how Carlson is amazing and how any contender, I think the quote was something like how any contender is going to want him on their team because he's a right handed puck moving defenseman who is playing at an elite level. Then they're kind of like, you know, well, he's got this contract that's kind of hard, but with the cap moving up and there's some teams that can make some space that could happen. So I'm like, wow, this is nationally. People are talking about it. It's not just, I guess, sharks fans or, or Ottawa fans wishing that he was probably back on their team right now. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of like, I think that's what all we're going to hear about through the trade deadline. If he's not moved by the trade deadline, I think we're going to hear some very angry pissed off people as well for not moving him and that Greer's not doing enough.
0: It's kind of interesting that, um, you know, national broadcasts are even talking about the Sharks, actually because usually that's just not the case. It's always, you know, Leafs Nation, whatever else. Right. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, you've got a player of that caliber and other teams are, you know, like you said, the vultures are out. Right. Um, they, they want this guy uh, if they can afford him and if they can fit him on the fit him on their team. So um, it's it's something that you know they're going to talk about on a national level. Sure, absolutely. It's just it's just interesting because normally you know the Sharks just they're not interesting enough to uh, to that group, right? So wow. uh, it, it was kind of cool to hear them uh, talking about that. Now there was there was a, a part of the game that you said uh, late in this game you had a little bit of criticism on. Um, you saw the Hurdle Meyer line out there late, and you felt that. There was that was a mistake that they shouldn't have been uh, they shouldn't have been out there when the score was um, the way that it was. Um, why don't you explain that one just a little bit uh, for folks who maybe don't understand uh, the reasoning behind that?
1: So at so Benino scored an empty net. The the Ducks had pulled their goalie super early because they were down by uh, three goals. So I think it was I want to say three minutes and change. Benino just shot the puck out from his own zone once he got a hold of it could have iced it, but I'm glad he did this. Didn't play it safe. Like shoot for goal, whatever. You're up, you're up by three goals. If you ice the puck and they score a goal, eh, you're still up by two. It's fine. So I like it when they take chances. I wouldn't like it if it was only a one goal lead, but he did score. So now it's five to one, five to one with three minutes left. Do you send out your top line? No, you shouldn't be sending out top line. I think that's why Anaheim was mad. Now, it's, an, it's kind of like an unwritten rule. Now, to me, I don't care about unwritten rules. I think it's stupid. I'm, it's not, I'm not arguing for the unwritten rule. I'm arguing for what will happen because the other team will take offense to it and might hurt them. And this is kind of like, not that they hurt them, but they were getting testy. They were getting mad. And Hurdle and Meyer kind of got into it with some of the guys because um, they were trying. Like They weren't just dumping the puck into waste time. They were trying. They were actively going in getting shots on goal like i think he made a power move in front of the net and uh it wasn't even Gibson at that point it was Stollers, like made the save like and and they got into his face and think about if it was the other way around if the sharks are losing five to one at this point and they're playing let's say anaheim and zegras tries to do the michigan move would you be mad about it or would you be like like Oh, that's just part of the game, you know. You just flip the flip the script and, and see how you feel. That's That's how Anaheim would feel. So for me, I don't think Quinn should have sent them out there because they could have gotten hurt. They could have gotten in a fight, like where they would drop the gloves and maybe you know, they could break a hand, who knows? Or they could get concussed, they get knocked out in a fight. So just something stupid could happen. You should have just kept your fourth liners in there. The next shift, he put the fourth liners out there and they get. I don't think it was quite a fight, but they get into a scuffle, go to the box, whatever. Now, the Sharks later in the game, what was it, a minute left? I got to look up the time here. Um, Lorenz scores a goal with three or four minutes left. Um, It was pretty much the next shift, I think, and make it six to one. So they they scored an empty intermittent to make it five to one. Then they scored another goal to make it six to one on the goalie. So it just was it was starting to get out of hand. Like, why would you put those guys out there? That that's to me, like I, I'm kind of, I don't want to say I'm upset with Quinn. I'm kind of questioning his decision to, to send those guys out there. Well, what, what's your take on this?
0: Uh, honestly, like, and you said to put it on um, the shoe on the other foot or the skate on the other foot, I guess you could say <laughs> um, I've, I, I I'm in that boat. When it's more like a younger league, like the like the house league, the kids and stuff, when when one team is blowing the other team out, you start telling those kids, hey, slow it down. Let's try to make three passes. Um, I've seen it before where a kid tried to do the Michigan. Actually, it was my kid who tried to do the Michigan <laughs> and um, threw the puck clear over the net because he just doesn't know what he's doing. Um, and the, the ref put his hand up and said in sportsman like conduct, you guys are up by like eight. You don't need to try that stuff. So he threw him in the box and, you know, he didn't understand that at the time I explained it to him afterwards. And then he's like, he kind of laughed about it. Like, okay, fine, whatever. But um, in those leagues, I get it. <laughs> in the show? No, man. Like you, you play, you play, I think. But that doesn't mean you put out your best players when you're up by five goals. I'm with you there. I, I think it, it's, you know, again, there, there's a propensity to have an injury um, against a team that has been frustrated that's maybe had enough of getting scored on. And they see a guy who's going hard to the net, and it's like, dude, you're already up by five. You do not need to crash the net and bang the goalie's glove or whatever else the case is, right? You don't need to be doing that. You're going to win this game. Just, you know, relax. We're not trying to kill you, so just don't try to kill us, that kind of thing. It's almost like one of those unwritten fighting rules, you know, but it's just like playing the game, essentially. Um, So I don't know. I I I see it as you still play and you keep going for the next goal regardless, right? Um, I mean, think about when Boston played Toronto. Don't you think Toronto should have gone for that next goal instead of getting you know, three or four scored on them straight? And then they lose and they bumped out of the playoffs. So um, that's kind of the way I see it is you keep going. Now, who you throw out there and ask to keep going, maybe that's a little bit different. But the mindset has to be, hey, we're still playing this game. They could still come back and score on us. We could still lose this etc uh, etc et so i don't think the mentality is wrong i think you might be on point though with regards to uh, the personnel that you throw out there oh uh debbie smith was a little bit confused here she says what's a michigan i've never heard that term uh debbie it's a play it's called the lacrosse goal uh it was scored by mike leg first uh it's called the michigan because mike leg played for the michigan wolverines basically what happens is he gets it behind the net uh puts it on the blade of his stick uh picks it up and scoops it and then he. Uh, throws it in like he's got a lacrosse stick so you'll hear it being called the the lacrosse style goal the michigan um some people call it the sveshnikov not um not our sveshnikov the other sveshnikov his brother <laughs> he he is the first person to do it in the nhl uh, so there's lots of different names for it i'm sure if you looked up uh, Michigan goal uh, on on YouTube or Google or whatever, you'd, you'd certainly find a clip of it. So um, that's what that is. So just so, so you're aware, I'm glad we're we're able to help people out with this one, Aaron. That's, that's a little bit of hockey education here. This is great. Um, so a guy who did score a goal, wasn't a mission though, uh, Michigan, again, Kevin LeBanc. He's been, you say you want to give credit where credit is due, okay? So I'll let you go through the stats. But before we do that, I do want to call out the first thing that I wrote down about this topic and it was when he scored the goal and it was, Oh, you're welcome, Debbie. Um, it was the first thing that I, I I decided to jot down. I was, I was pausing, rewinding play, pause, rewind, play. So I may should have had it word for word. This is from Brett Hedekin. He says, and something clicked inside Kevin, LeBanks' brain this year. He knows now that he's a sniper and when he gets opportunities in the slot, he's no longer thinking pass, which is good for him because that's his asset is that shot. I, um, I told you so, Aaron. I told you so. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but I'm saying it. I told you so. This guy, it, for me, is not a setup guy. And for people to try to use him or other coaches and other schemes to try to use him as that, I think has been a mistake. The the passing it backwards off the boards to Brent Burns thing, yeah, he got assists in that. That's great. But that's not a, a true setup guy. That is a basic get the puck back to the point, right? Anybody can do that. When you're talking about a setup, man, for me, that is the Eric Carlson vision. That's the Joe Thornton vision, right? Guys who can see the play beyond the play, right? They, they see that uh, that open passing lane, but there's nobody there. But someone's skating that direction. I'm going to thread it through. That's the kind of guy that I think uh, is like the setup guy. And for me, Kevin LeBanc just isn't that. Um, when I look at Kevin LeBanc, I see him shooting off of either leg very well. Uh, very accurately, and I think that's where he's best used. And I love what Brett Hedkin said here, and it says when he said uh, he knows now that he's a sniper. It's like, oh, I've been doing this wrong the entire time. I should just be shooting the puck more often. And to that line of thinking, uh, the stats you're about to go over uh, just kind of reinforce that point. So go ahead. Sure,
1: I think part of it is a confidence thing too. He's, his confidence, I think, is up that he can score in the NHL. Um, and these snipes are amazing, by the way, if you haven't seen his last, I would say handful of goals, most of her in the absolute top corner of the goal, practically no goalie's going to say this. Um, so this is the stats for his past nine games. He's had three goals and five assists, eight penalty minutes, all of those pretty much stick in fractions. Um, only one power play and one power play goal and one power play assist. So it's not coming from the power play 18 shots on goal. So two a game but he's a minus two combined. That's, that's interesting to me, which we'll get into that. Um, He has a four game point streak right now. And he, in those nine games, he scored a point in seven of them. So it's not like they all came from one or two games. He's consistent. He's on pace for 48 points. That's pretty good. I think that's the Kevin LeBanc that he's getting paid for a little bit under. He needs to be a little bit better than that, but his best season was the 2018, 19 season, where he had 17 goals and 39 assists. So he had 56 points. That's a um, 0.68 points per game. This is probably the best way to tell if he's on that kind of pace. Um, he's dropped since then. This season, he is at, right now, 0.59 points per game. So that's he's similar to that season, not quite. He's just shy of getting to that 50 point on his current pace but he's also hotter now than he was when he started the season. So there's a chance that he could eclipse the 50 points this season. And that is going to bring me to the roll call for the week or for today. Uh, The roll call question is, do you think LeBanc breaks the 50 point barrier this season? Uh, So tell us where you're watching from, what city you're in and uh, do you think he's going to break that 50 point barrier? Now he's, he's getting paid because he's a scorer, like a, a, not just a goal scorer. He was a playmaker too. He's, he's, he's a good, he's a good player on offense. His weakness is playing the 200 foot game. And for a while he was not scoring. And so when you're not scoring your weakness gets bigger or it's in the spotlight more. So I think that's why he's become kind of a punching bag, both on our show. And I think by a lot of fans, so um, I do want to give him credit when credit is due. He's he's performing. I think he's playing better. I think he's trying to get into more of a kind of leadership role here. Um, and we do have a clip here of him. And this is funny. I'm going to set this clip up. This is the clip asking him about kind of um, the defensive part of his game and his line, not just him, but his line. So Paul and I talk about this all the time, mainly Paul, about team defense so here is LeBanc on working on their team, other line working on their defense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think for our line, it's not the offense; it's uh, more of the defense. So, you know, it's just uh, we're creating chances five on five, but we just got to make sure we're taking care of the puck in all three zones. It's a it's a very yeah. short quote, but that was yeah, also yeah, the Aaron. longest yeah, quote I think of I, LeBanc.
0: I, I think I think we know what we need to do, Aaron. I think we just need to take care of the puck. In all, in all three zones. That's what we need to do.
1: I, I sent this clip to Super Producer Jason to to clip it, right? And he goes, "That's a really short quote." And I go, "Yeah, that's the longest one in the entire the entire session of all the questions that he was asked." I
0: just, I just, I just think that we need to take care of the puck in all three zones, Aaron. <laughs> dude. If you know that, that's what you need to do. Then why aren't we working on that? Like, why is it? I don't know. Maybe they are working on. It, they're just terrible at it. Maybe that's all there is to it. But you would think that if that's something that you, like Zinxi says, "Bedard," and just okay, thank you. That I guess that's why. Man, yeah, he, maybe he's in the same boat. I don't know. But uh, goodness gracious, man! Like, if you know that that's the problem, that's that's what I always tell my boys too. Like, for anything in life, really, if you know that you suck at this one thing, then maybe you should stop working on the things that you're really good at and work on the thing that you're terrible at right that's it's a good way to, to 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 fix that problem right you're not going to lose the stuff that you're good at just because you're working on something else right so um i would i would wish uh that kevin and, and his line mates uh would would heed the advice the defensive advice um that the coaches are, are giving them but i mean again for me it's not you don't even have to be you know, a heavy hitter to be able to separate guys from the puck. You just have to be smart about your angles and skating through the hands, taking the stick away, um, you know, stick to stick, body to body, basic stuff like that. And, and, you know, you just don't see that kind of stuff out of these guys. And it's it's just a shame because honestly, it doesn't take much to tweak the way you play just a little bit to add that amount of pressure that makes the other guys screw up. You don't have to bash them through the boards. You just have to be a, a, a force of pressure for them, right? Something that makes them feel like, ah, I got to get rid of the puck, right? And more often than not, when someone's moving the puck, that's where they're going to have you know, the turnover, the bad pass. It flubs or bounces or whatever else. You don't even have to necessarily do anything yourself other than apply that pressure. And just doing that oftentimes is enough. Um, but you just don't see it out of these guys. And when they do run up on somebody, it's like, well, are you really... Are you really a threat? And for Kevin LeBanc specifically, I just don't see him as that that big of a threat, which is unfortunate. So um, I'd like to see more out of him. I'm Again, I'm not expecting him to go out there and bang bodies or anything like that. I'm realistic about it. But there are little things that you can do uh, to fix your game defensively. Not Maybe not fix, but at least enhance it um, without getting rid of the offensive upside uh, for your line. So I don't know. I, I, I'm... <laughs> I'd like to see more out of Kevin. Uh, at the same time, again, just like you, I got to give credit where credit's due. He is doing a pretty decent job of, uh, you know, putting the puck in the net, being offensively minded and and generating. So I, I can't really say too much about it. At the same time, I see somebody else that just said something about penalties. Um, you know, absolutely. That's the other thing is he's got to stay out of the penalty box. Um, you you can't do a good job defensively if you're sitting on the bench the whole time, right? So it's not like he's even getting that opportunity. And furthermore, you can't fix your defensive woes by scoring when you're sitting on the bench. So I, it, for me, there's just a lot more room for growth for Kevin. Um, I I wish I could say I'm optimistic about it, but he's been with the Sharks for quite a while now, and I think this is it. Just is what he is at this point. Um, I don't know that he's going to break the 50-point barrier. I think that you're you're optimistic, and I like that, but I just don't know that he's that guy who's going to break that 50-point barrier. And part of the reason is if they don't end up trading him, they will have traded other pieces around him, and the guys that he's going to be playing with will be that much farther off and that much more of, of a blender, right? He has to get used to new people. Uh, once they go through that whole trade deadline purge, so um, I just don't see him getting quite all the way to fifty. Uh, Forty, I could see perhaps, but um, I just don't know about fifty. So um, I, I don't know. You, you, are you fairly optimistic? I don't know. You know if you gave your take on this one. Do you think he's going to hit the fifty?
1: Uh, I think he will. I think what I've seen, if he's consistent and stays how he's been in the last couple of weeks, I've noticed in the last weeks worth of games, maybe two weeks worth of games. Uh, his skating has improved in in terms of you see, like I'll compare him to Nico Sturm. Nico Sturm every shift is sprinting out there after every puck. And to me, I feel like I've noticed Kevin LeBanc doing the same thing on the floor check and the back check. He is skating, completing his skating. He's no longer coasting. So you remember the controller disconnect? Mm-hmm. We're not seeing that anymore. At least I'm not. I'm seeing more he's skating through to the end and, and putting in more effort. So that kind of like I, there was a couple, a handful of plays that I saw where I was like, "Wow, I, I'm not used to seeing LeBanc work that hard to get the puck back." I was impressed, and um, and it worked. Then he turns around and goes back and and takes it to the offense. So um, as long as he keeps doing that, and like you said, it depends on the pieces that if and will get moved eventually, and who he's going to be stuck with towards the end of the season. But I think he breaks that fifty point. Barrier. I mean, his his pace right now is forty eight, but that's overall pace from start to right now. Where in the beginning he started off slow, and now he's hot. Now, granted, he can go on a cold streak. I'm not expecting him to stay as hot as he is now, but i I think he will. He's picked it up enough where he would break. I mean, it's only a two point difference, right, of his pace right now. I think he, he's going to be on the hotter side, not the cooler side.
0: You know, I think I might change my mind, and here's why. Um, As we said, some pieces might get moved around. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be stuck on the same line that he's on. He might get bumped up, so he might be playing with uh, better talent than he's playing with now. So who knows? Um, It'd still take time to adjust to new line mates. But if it's you know him playing alongside Logan Couture, I mean, he's played with Couture for pretty much his entire career. So uh, I'm I'm sure that would be an opportunity for him uh, more so than a detriment to his ability to get to fifty. So um, yeah, maybe I'm with you now. (laughs) Especially if they make some trades, maybe he ends up finding himself. Higher up in the lineup, so there you go. So uh, you get a whole lot of everything here on the Fin Factor, folks. <laughs> anyway, um you know we have we want to talk about Tolvenin, um, but before we do, I'm going to say a couple things. One, um, again, if you guys can hit us with that share, that retweet, you hit the like button if you're enjoying this stream, would really appreciate that. Um, but we're going to talk a little bit about. Um, Mike Greer and his brother uh, Aaron you saw something on Instagram here I'll let you talk about that and then right after that guys, stick around because we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Eli, Eli Eli Tolvanen uh, from Nashville Predators getting put on waivers but first Aaron go ahead take it away about uh, their brothers Greer
1: uh, the Dolphins are in LA tonight playing the Chargers and the Dolphins GM is Chris Greer which is brother to Mike Greer and I think it's the first time we've ever seen any kind of family have two GM positions in different sports at the same time, which is really cool. So the dolphins put out this picture of, uh, both brothers enjoying, this is out of practice. So there's, I think it's Mike on the left and his brother Chris on the right. And, uh, it's pretty cool. Like they, it's actually Miami dolphins and the San Jose sharks because now you can, you can collaborate on Instagram. So they both put it out there, but really cool. Really cool to see. Um, happy for both of them. And, uh, I actually did not look at the score. So I don't know if the dolphins got smashed tonight or if the chargers got smashed. So I don't know who won the game. Um, uh, but cool. And I don't know why the dolphins were in town. It's funny. They were in town against the Niners the week before. So curious, maybe, maybe, uh, career was on the road or someone, he wasn't in town, or maybe his brother didn't come out here for that game. Cause they played the 49ers last week here in Santa Clara. Um, but either way, pretty cool. Pretty cool to see your brother and hang out. I mean, I get to see my brother in the show every time. So that's pretty cool.
0: You guys aren't um, quite GMs of your respective teams. Right? Though.
1: Yeah. Not quite the same, right? Yeah. Yeah. My brother likes to make me a little bit smaller.
0: <laughs> yeah. i just trying to show you who's boss. Uh, Peter St. John says the Dolphins got smashed. Oh, well, Smash but I think he meant smashed.
1: This is my uh, my first year of not playing fantasy football since I think it started in two thousand five for me. So I am like so out of it on the NFL, other than the Niners. <laughs> it's kind of cool. Yeah. I get to focus on one team now.
0: Yeah, I, I pretty much watch sharks hockey, and that's about it. I told my wife, you have no idea how lucky you are uh, <laughs> because that's, that's it. There's no There's no baseball. There's no basketball. There's no football. There's nothing else. So there you go. Um, okay, Aaron. Uh, am I saying it wrong, Eli? There's two E's. It's throwing me off. I'm going to say it's Ely. Ely? It's Finnish.
1: Ely. He's from He's from Finland. Because he's
0: Finnish? You got to make the I sound like an E. That's what it is? Yeah. Okay. Ely Tolvanen. Yes, there you no. go. Okay. Oh, you know, I can lie. It was, you know, a lot last, you know, month. And... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It gets me every time, man. Every single time. Uh, so, anyway, uh, Ely Tolvanen um, from Nashville. Uh, they put him on waivers. Now, you know uh, a fair amount about this guy. Uh, 2017 first-round draft pick. He was 30th overall. Um, it, it, talk to me about him. What kind of player is this guy? He's he's all defense, right? No, absolutely not. He is all offense.
1: Not. He's um, – I don't want to say he's another Kevin LeBanc but it kind of seems like he is another Kevin LeBanc. Um, I'm going to read the two quotes from his draft year. So this is what the scouts had said about him. Elusive with a puck on a stick, likes to shoot and has an impressive, accurate shot with an absolutely deadly release. He has a full arsenal of quick release snapshot, a powerful wrist shot and an accurate one timer on the power play. Granted, this is when he was drafted, not like recently, but it does translate to the NHL level. The problem is he's, pretty much been in the doghouse in Nashville. Um, It's kind of cool. I was looking through his history here and his line mates that he had in the beginning of the year, because he was playing in Nashville in the earlier beginning of uh, let's say a year ago, right? Uh, He was playing with Luke Cunning on his team, on his line. So he has experienced a lot of, a lot of ice time with Luke Cunning. So it'd be interesting if the sharks did put a claim on him and picked him up because him and Cunning were teammates and line mates and, I'm not, I don't know if they were roommates on the road. That's quite possible that they could have been, but, um, that could be an interesting pickup by the sharks. If they pick this guy up now, he has, he's only 23. He's pretty young. Um, he has another year left on his contract, but it's only at 1.45 million. And he's an RFA after that uh the sharks on the other hand they have one according to cap friendly as of right now they have 49 of 50 contracts so they could pick them up they have room for them um the cap space though is a little bit different they do have enough they have 2.3 million in cap space uh but they would have to send some people down and i think somebody had quote or um who is it tyler
0: yeah Tyler Tyler at 9.08 p.m. uh, had said they just sent down Chichek, Cease, and Svechnikov.
1: So if you remember, Svechnikov
0: actually had to clear waivers, I think, right?
1: Maybe that room. And now the rule for waivers, if you pick somebody up off of waivers, they have to be in your lineup. You can't send them to the minors. You can't bury them or whatever and just stash them for later. They have to play on your team, and I think they have to play on your team for 30 days. I think that's the rule. And if they don't, then they go back to the team that you claimed them from. So that's why we don't see too many people get claimed up the waivers because you have to put them in your lineup. So they they can't just be, you know, freely moved around like that. So and they have to play in your lineup for a while. Um, Someone could double check on that, but I'm pretty sure that's what the rule is. And that's why it's you just you don't see it very often. And GMs don't like to have 50 of 50 contracts on their team either. So then it kind of limits them on making moves later, which the Sharks will most likely be doing. So I don't know if they'll pick him up. I mean, we'll know this tomorrow. I think they, they announce it tomorrow morning. Um, or tomorrow morning or Tuesday. I don't know. But if they do pick him up, it'll be a good thing. I think the Sharks could absolutely use him in their lineup. Uh, left-handed shot. If he was a right-handed shot, I would say absolutely. But he's a left-handed shot. But his, his elite... NHL snipe ability would only help the Sharks. Now his stats right now, I don't know if you looked at what his stats are. Did you look? I have not. No. 13 games played. He has two goals and two assists. Not good, but yeah. his ice time is very low it's because he's in the doghouse with his coach. So maybe it's just uh, new scenery. I mean, maybe they tried to trade him. They couldn't get anything. So they're sending him down to the minors. Just, it's very interesting that Nashville will put him on waivers.
0: Yeah, I mean <laughs> that's a tough one. I mean it's it's only the one point four five million, right? Um, so I could see them adding uh especially if they have you know forty nine of fifty. But I, like you said, you, you know, most GMs want to have some contract uh wiggle room. They don't want to be at fifty of fifty, right? Then you want to be at 49 of 50. So for them to pick him up, you would think that um somebody would be immediately on the way out if for anything else, just to have that comfort space. Uh, in terms of the amount of contracts and p- potentially for just a little bit of extra cap space. Right. Um, now y- you had likened him to a Kevin, the bank. Right. Um, so at first I thought you meant he was a setup, man. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, you know, I you know having a guy that can, can shoot the puck um, is great for me. This is maybe a little bit less like a Kevin, the um, from a contract and uh, player revival perspective, it's more like Oscar Lindblom for me from that perspective, right? This is somebody who uh, maybe was having a rough time getting himself going in the NHL. And I feel like now the sharks are kind of like reclamation project land. right? (laughs) So um, it it hasn't really worked out for Oscar uh, here in San Jose. He's got, I think two goals on the, on the season now. Um, But realistically we were hoping for a lot more out of him um so i don't know if it's if it's a good idea for the sharks to take on another um project really he's he didn't work out really with nashville he's only had a handful of goals as you said, I think two goals to assist in, in the 12 something games played um so if it's not really working out with nashville it's it'd be hard to understand why it would necessarily work in, in San Jose. But like you've said, um, sometimes it's just a change of senior. That's the only thing that's really needed. Maybe he's just not working out in that system. Maybe the the system that Coach Quinn has going for the Sharks is more up his alley, or maybe the the players that he'd be playing with potentially, maybe a, a Logan Couture uh, can feed him the puck better um, and, and get him the opportunity to, to take some shots. Maybe that second power play unit, uh, could do well with a guy like Tolvanen um, with that elite shot. So maybe it could work out. Who knows? The question is, do we really want to take that chance with the last contract spot that we have and the very minimal amount of contract uh, cap space, I should say, um, that that we do have? I just, I just don't know that that's something that the Sharks would be interested in. Now, if you said, would the Sharks trade XYZ assets that just aren't working out anyway, uh, almost like, Demers and, what's his name? Um, Dilly. Uh, Brandon Dillon, right? When when that trade happened, right? That was a player for player, just a hockey trade. Both defensemen. Um, that was just, we need two guys to to have a change of scenery, right? That's really all that was. Maybe that's the same thing that's happening here. Maybe a guy like Oscar Lindblom would do better playing in Nashville. Maybe a guy like Tolvin would do better playing in San Jose. Now I'm not proposing that trade. But I guess what I am saying is, Maybe they do a hockey trade, right? Just a player for a player. It's not like we're trying to get one over on anybody else. Uh, we're trying to get a specific value. We're just trying to give these two guys a change of scenery because they're not working out here for either organization. Let's just swap players. Maybe that's a, a, good, a good way to go. I don't know. But um, I think to just make the claim for him and not give anything up in return, I, I just don't know that the Sharks really want to go that route. So I don't know how you feel about it, but that's kind of my thoughts. Um, do you think this would be a good idea for them um, given the contract situation, given the cap space and given that, you know, they've got other players that, <laughs> that they probably should have moved by now?
1: Well, he is only 23 years old. So uh, I would take him over Kevin LeBanc and he, he just – there's less, less money involved his contract is way better. Um, he has he's still very young and, and can turn things around. I think it is a situation where he needs a new, a new scene, change of scenery kind of thing. Um, Debbie just asked Aaron wise in the doghouse. I think it's because he doesn't play the 200 foot game, similar to LeBanc and his issues, where he's just not playing a full game. He's more focused on offense than he is on defense, and that hurts the team. Now coming onto a Sharks team that. <laughs> doesn't care about defense as much, you know, maybe he can turn it around and, and he could um, start scoring some goals for the Sharks. Who knows? Uh, he was scratched seven of the last nine games or something like that. So he definitely is in the doghouse of the coaching staff and his ice time is just plummeted. Um, uh, so I just found this on, on Twitter too. So Chris Johnson of TSN had reported placed on NHL waivers today This is uh, Nathan. He is from JFresh Hockey. He does these charts, and this is amazing. And he wrote, Preds just gave someone a free Christmas present because it shows you kind of the potential of what he could be here. And this is like basically a top six winger in the making. Maybe not quite, but doing it. You know what I mean? So um, I, I would take him. I would I would absolutely add him to the sharks. There's nothing here to lose, in my opinion.
0: All right. So you take the guy, huh? You know what, what I do like is that he would be in an RFA still. So you exactly. can kind of control that after the fact. So that's oh, I'm sorry. Did you had you had mentioned that? I don't know if you made that a point. I did. My bad. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I can only hear so much of you sometimes. I
1: know. I know. I drone <laughs> on and on and on. <laughs>
0: um you know what's funny is um uh, if we're done talking about this uh Peter St. John says doing the Yarmir Yager without the elite scoring t- uh tough I think he meant though um we are going to talk about Yarmir Yager do you want to talk about Yager now or is there anything else about and?
1: no I think I think um I mean we'll find out about Tolvanen by tomorrow I think yeah. um,
0: absolutely if, if uh if something happens to and I'm sure uh, again, we don't break the news, but we certainly like to, uh, you know, send it back out there into the, into the, the Twitter verse and whatever else. So if you're following us on Twitter, uh, which is up in that corner over there, um, then feel free to, uh, to, to, well, if you're not following us then feel free to follow us and then you'll, you'll get those, um, the tweets and stuff that we send out as well. So there you go. Uh, it's like you two are married. Oh, I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, if something happens with Tolvanen. We'll we'll absolutely send it out and and uh, and let you guys know. Um, however, this is a weird topic, Aaron Yarmir Yager. I feel like we're talking about or we're making old, outdated references when we talk about Yarmir Yager. But apart from being old, he's certainly not outdated. Um, dude is still playing. Um, he he actually like you said he's he's not really playing. He owns the team, but. They had so many people get sick. Tell this story, buddy.
1: So, Jerma Jager uh, is from the Czech Republic. He lives there now. He owns one of the teams in the Czech League. Um, he hasn't played in the NHL since 2017, but he's about to turn 51 years old. He owns this team, and a lot of the players got sick. And so, he had to suit up and he had to play. So, he played in the game. He played over 15 minutes in the game and got two assists. Now they lost seven to three, but he got two assists of those three goals. That's amazing, and um, I, I actually, there's a video of it too of him playing. That's it's just incredible. He's uh, he is simply amazing. Now it's funny <laughs> because Unreal. he played in this game. He is not eligible to go into the Hockey Hall of Fame until 2026 now because he keeps <laughs> playing in a professional league and it pushes back the date. So Yermo Yager will never get inducted into the Hall of Fame because he's <laughs> constantly playing. He's uh, definitely a first ballot Hall of Famer he's going to get in, but this pushes it back because all of his team that he owns got sick, and so he had to jump in and play. It,
0: it's it's going to be six years after he dies that he'll finally get inducted yeah, into the Hall of Fame. It's, it's crazy. It's just
1: absolutely crazy.
0: Um, the ageless wonder.
1: So he had two assists. Uh, they had illness ranks for the team that already forced him to postpone a game, so he jumped in the lineup. That's the whole reason. It's just, it's fantastic. It's a great story. I love Yermer Yager. He is a fantastic follow on Twitter. He also like refuses to get the blue check mark. So it looks like a fake account, but it's actually him. (laughs) It makes it even funnier. It makes it, Yager is just one of those guys, one of those characters, man. He's like Joe Thornton, like just an absolute character of the game that has bizarre, crazy stories throughout his entire life.
0: That would yeah. be cool to get like an all um, top character line or something like that. Joe Thornton, Yarmer Yager, Pavel Datsuk. Just
1: They'd be laughing. They'd be laughing the whole time.
0: Bunch of goofy, funny dudes, just, you know, top of their game. Oh, my goodness. Uh, that would be, yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Debbie, uh, echoing your sentiments there, bud. uh, You know what? Noah, actually, before we get to the last bit here, Noah brings up uh, something that's pretty interesting. He says, I think you guys should do a segment about top five prospects in the draft. Hoping for Bedard, but trying to be realistic since Anaheim decided to play like a dumpster fire. (laughs) Thank you for um, that analogy, uh, Noah. So, um, you know, we were talking about this and there's somebody that uh, frequents the show who is very into uh, prospects and that kind of thing. And so I don't know if we want to necessarily call that out right now, but um, it's something that Aaron and I have been kind of spitballing, maybe bringing somebody else onto the show for a segment just like that, Noah. So um if we do decide to do something like that absolutely we'll uh we'd be putting it out there letting you guys know but i think that would be very interesting and it'd be um interesting to see what the other prospects look like i think it's always the case where you know, the top guy in the draft, right? Like, like the Austin Matthews, the Connor McDavids, even Jack Eichel, he was number two, but, uh, and then of course a guy like Bedard, right? Um, Seeing these guys and you look at them and you kind of go, yeah, these are the top prospects. These are the best ones. These are the ones we want. But then like number two, three, four, and five are actually still really good, but nobody knows about these guys, right? So yeah, I think it would be absolutely great to do uh, a segment um, just around that. Now we might not do something like that until later on, like maybe closer to the draft where it's more relevant. Um, especially since all the rankings uh, coming in would, would change up until that point in time, right? Cause players do better or worse and their draft rankings go up and down accordingly. So maybe we would wait for that. But uh, Aaron, what do you think? Is that something that we ought to do for these guys here?
1: Yeah, I think uh, we're going to try and get some together. I think maybe right after new year's um, get kind of those top five guys on our radar and, and the names a little bit more familiar. Cause I agree. I'm, I'm not hopeful for, for Bedard. And there you go. Fentilli, Meechkoff, Carlson are the top four, uh, but so many in the top tier talent. Absolutely. I think um, I don't want to settle on Bedard and and get my hopes up because, you know, knowing the Sharks, they're never going to have the first overall pick ever. Um, And if they do, that's probably a pick that they had traded away years ago. So I I don't want to look forward to that. Um, But, yeah, I think especially with this draft, everyone's excited about it because the top five are legit guys that most likely could play in the NHL starting next season at 18, 19 years old. So um, a lot of top talent to go around, and the Sharks are definitely going to be adding one of them to their lineup, which is what I'm excited for, which is why I don't care about this season and kind of want them to just do what they're doing, scoring five goals and losing six to five in overtime. That's exactly the kind of season I want to see. Entertaining hockey, but uh, just not there. The results in the standings and adding a top player into their into their lineup. Um, well, Aaron,
0: if they could lose 6-5 in regulation, that would be better because the Sharks have a win percentage of .383, uh, which is third worst in the league. Only, uh, only Chicago at .346 and the lowly Anaheim Ducks at .304. Uh, with only one regulation win, I might add, uh, are are actually worse than the Sharks. So, yeah, the overtime losses uh, negating that one point would have been better for the Sharks if that's what we're trying to do, right? Anaheim made the Sharks look like a playoff team smashing a (laughs) non-playoff team. They look
1: so bad. Things could be a lot worse. You could see a lot more blowouts, and we're not seeing those. For the Sharks.
0: It's you great. Know, and and for me, it's crazy because you look at a team like even a team like the Sharks, you know, they've got big name talent on the roster still. Sure, there's lots of other names that are not quite there, but they still have uh, you know, quite a bit in mm-hmm. terms of offensive firepower and whatnot. And and it just seems like they have you know a good amount of veterans in there as well. But then you take a look at a team like Anaheim, they've got guys like you know, Zgris and and this young talent pool that's kind of up and coming as well, guys like Cam Fowler and all those. Um, even Gibson not long ago was you know considered you know top of the league so mm-hmm. it's like they have these guys and it just everybody fell off and and you know the young guys aren't quite getting it done now Zegers did score against the Sharks he was the lone goal against the Sharks so you know good on him but it's just it's really interesting that a team like that even like the Sharks like I said and, and the Ducks they've got some names it's just there's so much parity in the league that You know, having just a little bit better of a mix is enough to push you all the way down the standings. Right. So these are the worst teams in the NHL now, the Sharks, uh, Chicago Blackhawks, Anaheim Ducks. Um, It would not be out of the realm of possibility for the Sharks to get down to Bedard. Um, But the way that it sits right now, even if they lose the lottery uh, twice and two teams leapfrog them, I mean, it's still, it's, it's top five. And I guess that goes back to what we were talking about that segment, having, a, you know, the, the top five prospects. We get to know all those guys would be a good thing because you're definitely getting one of those five, right? So, um, anyway, just, you know, it, w- it was interesting to see, you know, how how low the Sharks are right now. I guess I didn't quite realize that they were that far down the standings. Yeah. Um, I guess when you see that they're, like, second worst in the West, you think, oh, but there's probably teams that are worse in the East, but there's only one, so...
1: I mean, we're going to, we'll find out. Like, Bernard is, I think, kind of falling out of favor as the first consensus overall pick. Um, Fantilia and Mitchkoff, I think, are kind of catching him. So we'll talk about that and um, get to know those guys. Cause again, it'd be like Shane Wright. Shane Wright was for all of last year, was, oh, he's for sure the first overall pick. He's going to be the greatest, the top talent in this draft. And he went fourth overall. Yeah. So. Uh, it could be a situation like that. So there's a chance that Bedard could fall. Who knows? But uh, we'll go over that. Um, one thing I forgot to mention way earlier in the show. We're going to go back a bit. Uh, Gajavich is the game in, in against Vancouver. Oh. Played against his brother-in-law. And his brother-in-law happened to be the goalie. <laughs> so here's a picture of them before the game uh he's playing uh spencer martin was in goal for vancouver and he's playing against him and guess what Gadjevich, on a complete individual effort strips the guy of the puck shoots it and beats his brother-in-law <laughs> can you imagine now i was gonna get a quote i was like oh they had to have asked him about this and they asked him about it after the game and he's just like oh no they're like oh did you like kind of rub it in or did you like say anything was there extra motivation and Gadjevich gave like such the the generic bland answer of like, no, I'm just here to win for the team and want to get two points and bonds. Like, come on, come on. You know what I would have done? I would have skated, grabbed that puck, taken it home, wrapped it as a Christmas present and given it to him. At Christmas.
0: Wow.
1: That's, that's the kind of guy I am. <laughs> My brother-in-law, Good like, Lord, we, we played, we play soccer together. Imagine if we were playing on, on opposite teams and, and he was in goal and I scored on him. Absolutely. I would do that. You don't think that's funny? Come on. No, It's
0: hilarious. It's brutal, but it's <laughs> hilarious. Would you sign it first at least?
1: Absolutely. <laughs> sign it with the date, the time, the exact time of the goal.
0: Oh, my God. That's terrible. Well,
1: You got to have fun.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. fun. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, speaking of having fun, the Sharks are going to have fun. Hopefully, these next three games, Arizona, L.A., calgary it's tuesday saturday sunday this is another one of those ones where we have a a little bit of a break in between these games here so the last week we only had the two games and then this week we have three but it's tuesday and then a stretch to saturday it's kind of a stark change from the previous week where we had two back-to-backs yeah
1: yeah i mean absolutely like well we just talked about two weeks ago how the grueling schedule was just kind of killing these guys and now they got they finally get these breaks in here so it's good um arizona is still just awful i'm surprised they're actually higher than the sharks in the standings right now i I bet that will start to change um i mean they're barely above them points wise the sharks have one more point, but points percentage wise arizona actually has four games in hand on the sharks so they'll probably make up the difference there they're at 431 win percentage versus the 383 um and it's at home it's tuesday night against the coyotes at home there's gonna be nobody at this game nobody They have a hard time bringing people on Tuesday nights. I don't know why they don't try and change it with the NHL scheduling to get rid of the Tuesday night schedule. Just, I would rather go to a game on Monday night than a Tuesday night. I don't know. That's just me. Because Mondays suck no matter what. Eh. But it's going to be empty. It's going to be sad. It's going to be empty. Uh, Then they're playing the Kings on Saturday at home. Now, interesting thing about the Kings. Um, They have Jonathan Quick. He's getting older. He's probably going to be retiring soon. I think he's. this is his last year of his contract. They signed Peterson to an extension, um, I think, before this season started. So it was the first year of his extension. Um, I'm looking it up right now to see how much it is. Um, 3.875 million. Not an in, insignificant sum to a backup goalie who's probably going to take over as a starter. He was performing awful, just playing dreadful. I mean, the Kings aren't great, but they're not terrible. He was playing awful. They put him on waivers this week, which is like, whoa, this is supposed to be your goalie of your future, and you put him on waivers. So they sent him down to the AHL level for a conditioning stint, but he has to clear waivers, Um, and he did, because nobody probably wants that contract, and he's been playing poorly. But now imagine if he comes back and starts playing at an elite level. How many teams are going to be kicking themselves for not grabbing this guy off of waivers?
0: Hindsight's twenty twenty. I don't know. Yes, you, you. You know what though? If you're that team that took a chance on him and and it didn't work out, then it just are you me. kicking yourself? Absolutely. So I don't know. I think you take you, you take with what you know and you you hedge your bets on that, right? You don't take uh, what you think he could possibly be, uh, even though the last uh, thing that he's done is just play so poorly that he had to get put on waivers. I it, it's a little bit different for me, right? So uh, with with a goalie. Um, if he's not playing well, if he's not playing well, it's pretty evident he's missing very simple shots. He's not in the right position, that kind of thing. It's very different from a goalie who's jumping and stretching and trying to make spectacular saves because the defense isn't covering. Right. So if he's truly that bad, I think, you you know, uh, yeah, we don't want to take a chance on this guy. Right um and now if they put him on waivers because his stats were horrible but really you can look at it and blame the defense yeah okay fine then maybe you take a chance on the guy but um i'm hoping that they know the difference between a goaltender who's not focused and and not capable anymore uh up to their standards at least and the difference between that and you know the, the team around them not supporting well enough for them to be successful. They're, 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 I think they know the difference between that. So if they're putting their goalie on waivers, I'm standing back uh, on that one. That's that's just me. So
1: I don't know. I to me, I think it's a risky move on their part.
0: Oh, okay.
1: That's all. Whatever. We Sorry. have goalies,
0: by the way, if they want if they want one. <laughs> we We're playing
1: L.A. on Saturday and then a back to back against Calgary on Sunday.
0: Peter St. John says he's an e-bug in disguise <laughs> going back yeah. to last episode with the e-bugs. I love it. <laughs> um, actually, as long as we're going back real quick, um, Peter St. John also wanted to know, did someone do that to you when you are playing goalie?
1: <laughs> oh, sign the it. Sign the ball um, I could tell a funny story about that in college. I was playing against uh, my buddy, AJ. I'm sure you remember him from, from high school. Um, he was playing at a rival college and In the game, um, I got a pass back from my team, so I can't pick it up. And he's sprinting, dead sprint, coming straight at me. And I see him coming. I know he's coming. I have the ball to my right. I'm dribbling a little bit out of my box. And I see him, and I go to clear the ball, and I cut it back behind me and bring it back behind me. And he comes slide tackling in front of me to block it. And he basically just slides by me, and I just turn to go the other way. And everybody in the stands is just like, Oh, because I just embarrassed the living hell out of him. And um I was just like smiling, like, oh, that was that felt good. Felt good, you know? And he gets up and he comes by me and he walks by and me, goes, You do that again. I'm gonna two-foot you. And and he meant it, like two foot you mean he's gonna slide tackle and just he's just gonna take me out. So I couldn't do it again in the game. I had another chance in the game, I didn't do it. Um later in that game, it came down, it was the last, I don't know, 10 minutes of the game, and I think we were Tied and I had stopped him a couple times, and he's probably one of their best players too. Stopped him a couple times, and at this point, it's late in the game. I'm exhausted. He gets in on me in breakaway basically inside the box, and he beats me. And I was pissed because I was about to dive and, and block it. And I kind of second guessed myself and slowed up and stopped just enough to not get it. And he ended up scoring on me. And I mean, he was my, he, at that time, like we were really good friends and really close. And then during the soccer season, cause we were on different teams, we just didn't hang out as much, but then afterwards we come together and hung out and, um, we talked about both. So yeah, in a way it was kind of like, he, he was like, yeah, well, I scored one on you. I'm like, yeah, well I pulled that ball back on you and everybody just laughed at you basically. Like, I, I think I won that one. I think so. Nice. But no Fair signed enough. balls or Christmas presents or anything, but you know. I guess kind of a similar story, not quite the same. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Good stuff. All right. Uh, I think we are all done. Are we not? Yeah. We got some more stories here. of soccer. Days. Any last, yeah, I know we ended on the soccer story. How about that? That's a weird one. Um, any last second comments here? I know Debbie has said, uh, Peter uh, Vlasic has always been one of my favorites, but it's time for him to go. Uh, Aaron, do you think that there's a market for Mark Edvard Vlasic right now? I I don't know based on the contract, but I wouldn't say that teams are necessarily against having a a veteran defensive defenseman. Debbie had also asked a long time ago what his plus minus was, because it looked like he had cement in his skates or something like that. Um, He's actually a minus six on the season, which in all honesty is not bad for for a team that's this bad. Um, Mm -hmm. Minus six isn't bad at all. So, Uh, I could definitely see teams being interested in him. I just don't know the teams would be interested in him at the full 7 million. So maybe something would need to happen there or a bad contract coming back the other way. Some to that effect Uh, before you talk about that, um, Grandizer 12 says, Hey, Paul, Aaron, uh, and I'm guessing supervisor Jason's included in this happy holidays, Merry Christmas and season greetings. Let's go sharks. Hey man, thank you so much. We do appreciate uh, your, your comment there. That's pretty awesome. Uh, Merry Christmas and happy holidays to you as well. And anybody who's listening, uh, happy holidays to you. So Aaron, um, wh- wh- what do you think about that then? I
1: think uh, new coaching staff came in and him and Shimmick, I think they've been given a fair bounce back opportunity if you will um i think they kind of sat him down i think greer was kind of like hey you got to play for you know something so if you want to be on a new team you got to play well so that i can make you make a trade his trade he has a no movement clause classic does
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, it changes after the season so it's a full mo- no movement clause just like Carlson. But after the season, it changes to a three team trade list where he can go to. So he is 35 years old. He has three more seasons at 7 million. I don't know if it's movable to me. He's playing like a three to four million dollar second pairing defenseman. I think that's fair. So if they were to withhold, you know, some of that money, I mean, that's dead money. But it's only dead money for three years versus buying him out, which I don't think is an option at this point. Um, buying him out would mean they're paying him for what, six more seasons? Yeah. So it, it's to me, I think withholding money is better than buying out players. But anyway, I think he is tradable. I think everybody is tradable. I don't think there's any contract that is not because what if the Sharks get somebody back? with the same kind of terrible contract it's just a different player you know you know just clearing space for the other team and likewise and giving blastic maybe a chance at a contender who uh because Blastic's going to want to get a cup he's only got like his he's 35 so he's he's got maybe what four years left kind of like his contract three four years left in the nhl he's going to want to get something so similar to burns they're getting towards the end of their they're playing days and they want to go to a contender. So absolutely, I wouldn't be surprised if Vlasic gets moved. I, th- I still think there's value there. Um, obviously not $7 million, but if they can make it around three, four million bucks, I think it's there. Or take on a bad contract coming back the other way. I think it's it's doable.
0: Yeah, I think if the Sharks take on a, uh, a bad contract with maybe like a year, two years left instead of the three, um you know, just undercutting it just a bit doesn't have to be a seven million dollar contract. It just be, you know, a player that's a four million dollar, five million dollar, whatever else the the case is, right? Um, I think that wouldn't even be such a bad move. Um, But I don't like the idea, like you said, of buying out because I really don't like the idea of stretching, uh, you know, the bits that you owe him over, you know, six more seasons. We've kind of already done that with uh, with other contracts, and I just don't like that that's still on the books. I like to keep that stuff off the books as much as possible. And again, I don't think he's a bad player. I really don't. I think he's a, a, a good player for for what he is and for what uh, his role is. Um, last season, I think he was kind of in the doghouse with Bob Bugner. And I think, he, you know, he probably had some stuff going on that we just don't know about. And I think this season is probably just a little bit different for him. And it, I think it's showing in his play. I think he's been better. Again, a minus six um, for a team that is, what would we say, 0.383 win percentage if you're minus six you're not doing too bad there so um at least defensively so um i you know i, I could definitely see the contract getting moved especially since again he's he's the guy that's kind of in control of it I, like you said he wants to go and win a cup too i think he's under no delusion that the sharks are going to be cup contenders anytime soon at least within the the, the confines of his contract or the 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 length of his contract they're not they're not getting back to the playoffs in in three years well maybe they will but they'll still be you know at the bottom of the barrel scraping to get in so i don't know i think uh, he would gladly waive that if there was a team that was a contender that he was at all interested in Uh, having the opportunity to go there for not just this one season but for the next three seasons and the rest of his contract. Right. So I could definitely see him wanting to wave that and go somewhere. Um, now it, there may have to be some finagling with the numbers fine. But again, like you said, I don't think there's a contract that's not movable uh, for the sharks this season. And that includes the $11.5 uh, million dollar Eric Carlson contract. So uh, we'll see how that one goes. Uh, it, uh, thank you, Debbie, for, for posing the question. It was just a nice little thing to kind of end the show talking about there. Um, so, Anyway, uh, I think that kind of wraps up the show. I appreciate that. Yeah, said well, Pearson Johnson. Says, yeah, on the blue line, Vlasic is not getting a lot of help from his partners. Yeah, probably not getting a whole lot of help. But um, you know, again, I, I think when you look at the way he's been playing, at least uh, it's it's been kind of more up to par with what we expect out of him. So um, I think other teams are more than capable of seeing that as well. So Aaron, unless you've got anything else, I think we'll go ahead and wrap it up here. Let's wrap it up. All right guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We do appreciate Uh, having these live shows with you guys if you like the show please hit the like button if you are not subscribed there is a little button there it actually says subscribe on it and if you click it you become subscribed congratulations uh right next to that there's a little bell you hit that it's the notification bell let you know when we are going live or when we have new videos coming out we haven't done a recorded video in a long time perhaps we will uh but for the most part we do the lives and since they are live it's kind of uh, time sensitive so when you get that come and talk to us please okay that'd be awesome um in any case uh oh yeah sorry there's also uh, again the if you want to support the show there's the super chat function you can go ahead and do that there's also venmo at the fin factor again if you put any comment in there we'll go ahead and read it live on the show or the venmo we'll do it maybe the next show since it's kind of too late now um if you'd like to support the show but you want to get something back for it in return again you can go to the check out all the hats shirts sweatshirts I want to say canteens, water bottles, fanny um, packs, <laughs> all the stuff that we have for sale there. Uh, so go ahead and check that out. It's a great way to support the show and get something back and to look cool in, in, in the process. So there you go. Um, oh, by the way, if you do that, please take a picture, send it to us because uh, people buy stuff but they people don't think anybody buys stuff because we never get to show it off. So uh, please do that. Aaron, anything else? Last second? You good? We're good? Good. Follow us on the socials. Appreciate that. For Super Producer Jason, I'm Paul. And I'm Aaron. And we will see you guys next week. Next week. Bye bye. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this episode, check out our other content, especially interviews. You can interact with us directly through social media at TheFinFactor and on Instagram at FinFactor. And don't forget to join our live streams on YouTube. Visit our website at TheFinFactor.com, where
1: you'll find all of our episodes
0: as videos or podcasts. You'll also find our exclusive merchandise to help support our show.